0: Hello listeners to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is Season 7, Episode 16, The Fall Festival, Halloween, October
1: 2020 uh, edition. I wait in the dark, the whispering winds, I hide like a because I know how it ends. In circles and hell, the weight of In my dreams I can't escape from myself I shut every door That's Scott State, a bumper from his song, Purpose for Pain. Check out the ASI website and follow the playlist on Spotify, (laughs) si247.org.
2: The personification of Satan as the shadow side of Christianity, and what you were describing in terms of Mark Driscoll is really kind of that, you're going, there's this Christianity has, especially the evangelical form, but the Catholic Church as well, you know, has always struggled to grapple with the shadow side of itself, right?
3: Yeah.
2: And that personification of this, this actual character and being able to take anything and, Russ, you were talking about the flesh and sex and the flesh being this kind of taking on this negative connotation as something as sexual desire. Yeah. The shadow side, this thing that we banish. <laughs>
0: Haven't put up a lot of content recently. Um, it's been a couple months. I just went through a career change, so I am uh, no longer Lyft and Uber driving. No longer in sales. I'm a full-time mechanic. All right. I've been making YouTube videos on that for a long time. I thought, what if I used my, you know, content creation here as a kind of resume to see if I could, you know, get a job working on cars. I I kind of like working on cars. Yeah, it's work and sometimes it's frustrating, but why not see if I could do it for a living? And and sure enough, I got hired. So I'm almost two months in to being a professional mechanic, which is kind of cool. Entry level, still learning. But yeah, man, uh, I'm a mechanic now. Uh, So that's, you know, been me trying to find some of my sea legs when it comes to uh this new career change and me working 40 plus hours a week a little bit of overtime but trying to keep good life balance going on here uh today on the show seth and david taylor join me in the halloween kind of themed episode i like to do those you know every year getting into some of the uh you know, the scary stuff. A lot of, especially Christians, don't like to talk about, I think it's important, some of this stuff. And what we're talking about today is the the theme around the devil, right? Like, what... Are we talking about when we invoke the name of Satan or the devil Lucifer beelzebub um dealing with our demons is a language used in recovery what What are we talking about when we bring these things up and Seth and David, I'm very honored to have them join me today uh I had a listener, herb. Uh, Rodian uh, emailed and asked about other shows that, uh, you know, he's like, hey, have you heard of this person or this person? I haven't really. Uh, I'm not really that involved in the kind of sexual addiction, right, uh, community as as I was. Uh, kind of moving away from the idea of sexual addiction as being the major problem issue and i I get that yeah it feels like addiction it feels like you're out of control in your own body And, and the language of addiction is is very useful and helpful and i'm not mr let's not call it addiction um i get calling it intimacy disorder i get that um but the language of compulsive behavior and addiction is is also very real and very prevalent when it comes to having this thing you know feel like it's in control of your body and your like, this is a real, very real issue and problem. And I'm not poo-pooing that or like, this is important. So there is a lot of other podcasts out there that are going to deal with, and basically his question was, what about podcasts that aren't um, focused on the spiritual side of things, right? Uh, That are just mainly secular. And I, I guess I'm not really sure what that means, to. but I think I get what he's talking about. Like people that aren't talking about God or like there's some feeling of freedom in that, especially if you're in a kind of a deconstructing mode and anybody who's Christian or religious, who is going to take this issue on this bad habit on, you're going to take on your, the way you think about sexuality, um, the way you're actually behaving, Right in in the dark places when people don't see you, uh, the way you feel about maybe your pornography consumption. If you're going to take that stuff on for real, there's going to be a bit of religious deconstruction that must take place. Right, you're going to start peeling off the layers. You're going to start to see behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz uh, analogy. Right, what is real and what isn't? What is you know this. Very encouraged idea of faking like let's just pretend like everything's okay when it's not and you when you stop doing that um, One word for it is deconstruction, you know, you may start to feel Isolated or you know, like starting to see who's safe and who's not safe in your religious community Um, as you start to really be introspective and learn from what's going on in your mind body and spirit as you take on um, cleansing or healing from sexually compulsive behavior Um, so when it comes to some of these like secular shows so to speak a lot of that and a lot of religious shows as well really deal with a kind of a certain layer, a very surface layer. It's behavior modification, basically, and I think the best analogy that I can use towards behavior modification is diets, dieting, exercise. People who are overweight, um, many of them suffer right and and they're told to just well you just need to go on a diet you need to exercise like they already know that everyone already knows that if it and, and here's the thing that's why I named this show attitudes of sexual integrity because attitude changes everything all right if it was just information that kept people from being obese there would be no obese people right there there is gazillion books and more coming out every month every week there's probably a new podcast on health and right dieting and exercise like new ones coming out all the time like information and lack of that is not the issue the heart right this Jewish idea of what's in the heart, what comes flowing out from center. This is a, another metaphor, it's an analogy, but your your heart that's pumping blood is beating all the blood from, right, to the tips of your fingers, to the tips of your toes, into your brain. It starts in center and moves outward. Motivation is much like that. Everything you do, when you get up in the morning, what you, where you go, going to work you know how you do life especially in 2020 during this mass disruption right of the pandemic heart heart disease you know um, heart health is, is very important so I guess if that makes sense hopefully that's what I, I like about um, shows like my pilgrimage there's a there the, the pilgrimage shows My friends, Seth and David, they're doing a show almost every week lately and some great content in there. These kinds of, this kind of material goes beyond that upper level of, and I think that stuff's important. All right. Like, yeah, creating new habits, knowing the information, getting educated about, um, sexually compulsive behavior can be very helpful, but Getting into the, the lower levels of that, understanding your own way of experiencing life, of, of managing stress, of handling relationships and intimacy and people getting even close to you, that stuff is incredibly important too. So I'm going to shut up and we're going to kick off this episode with Seth and David um, talking about... The devil.
1: Call up a down, cry up a bitch, the cream up a dream.
0: Again, an honor to have the Taylor Twins, David and Seth, on the show. How are you guys doing? Haven't been called the Taylor Twins since high school. Thanks. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm good. good. So yeah. what are we talking about when we talk about the devil? That was sort of the – every year I like to do like a Halloween kind of episode. And that's something – Rob Bell has a book, you know, what? what are we talking about when we're talking about God? I thought, why not the devil? I think I I was texting with you guys. My wife and I watched a documentary about Michael Jackson. Um, And it had to do with the, the HBO documentary with sexual abuse. And one of these kids is talking about his story. And I'm just like, like I couldn't watch it. Like at some point I just went, no, this is just fucking too much. Like I'm not, this is not entertaining. This is this kid's story and it's fucking horrible and it's tragic. And, and it, for yeah. some reason, that had me thinking about the name that we put to things like that, like the devil. What what are we talking about when we talk about the devil? It's, yeah.
2: Know. You want to go first, Dave?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I go man. by
2: a gal named Elaine Pagels. She's a religion professor at Princeton, and she wrote a, she wrote a book called The Origin of Satan. You ever read that?
0: No. And
2: it, it's an awesome read in terms of on this topic. It, it's a, it's fascinating because it's not what you think it is. It's not like, hey, go back and who who designed it first. It's mostly about kind of why we need it and why we create it, why we psychologically have to have and personify evil in that way. Because, I mean, if you were to me what I believe is there's this, there this actual like character, this personality, this embodied personality that's out there kind of the evil show and just geared and through evil like that no i don't believe that that's the case but you know the empirical evidence that evil exists is is everywhere right we, we see it we, yeah. we experience it and and at times the whole world experiences one massive kind of what you could call evil this this overwhelming um you know i mean in hitler of course is the classic example and everything if we were to um sit down and hang out with Adolf Hitler. If, if Hitler was hanging out on the podcast or we were all just having a whiskey together and stuff. And then we start talking, you know, I know Seth would be like, you know, like feeling his energy. And then I'd be like, you know, Hey man, like, you okay. You know? And we'd start like trying <laughs> right. to help. We try to, we try to help him kind of get past it. There's this, there's a great Germans movie. Don't, Germans don't
3: drink whiskey though. He'd be all right, a nice right, of half of you Yeah.
2: Nice. Have a point. Yeah. But there was, <laughs> there was a film, there was a film years ago. I used to show it in my art classes. Um, there was a show called, it was a film called Max. Uh, it was John Cusack who plays this German It's a true story about this um, a Jewish art dealer. This is just prior to world war two. So post-world war one. Yeah. The film came out in 2002 and this actor named Noah Taylor, who's ironically my middle son is named Noah Taylor. He plays Hitler. A true story. So I don't know if you guys knew this, but Hitler was an artist. He was a passionate artist, but he was, he's very type A. So his stuff was very, um, kind of super clean, somewhat fantastical in. He liked to depict, you know, he was one of those artists that like would sit down and I'm going to do a drawing of this building and he would do it and he'd do it really well. It was nice. But 1930s, we had this massive explosion in modern art. What was kind ca- of happening in the art world was everything was going abstraction, right? right. Getting into you know, Gustav Klimt and, and Van Gogh and, and the impressionists and the post-impressionists and, we were even leading in slowly into modernism, like like abstract expressionism, where I mean, we, you know, 1940s, 1950s, World War II, post-World War II, you've got Jackson Pollock and William de Kooning and doing all these crazy uh, abstractions, right? Well, he was this guy who wanted desperately to be a successful working artist. Ironically, he got out of the army, you know what I mean? He's working in a laundry shop and he's actually trying to kind of do his art. This guy, uh, what was his name? His name was Max Rothman. He was in... He was a a, a, a a Jewish art dealer, and he in Berlin, German family, Jewish German, and he met Adolf Hitler, and they became friends. And this is this really happened, and he was trying to help him um, get an art show because he called it Kitsch, and Kitsch is this kind of form of art. He was like, it's so kitschy, it's so like kind of goofy, weird, but he he liked it. He was it. He found it appealing because it was anti It was anti what was happening. And he found yeah. an appeal in it. And so, that through this friendship, they were trying to grow. But what was happening at the same time is that Hitler, who had a talent for public speaking, Adolf Hitler was being recruited by the Nazis. The Nazis were a group that were coming in post World War I, and they started pulling in and basically saying, hey, there's this kind of, and they had this story of Aryan perfection and this whole kind of, they had a whole uh, origin story about the Aryan race as the, as the master race and the beginning of mankind and how this corruption happened and the Jews and all this other stuff and blacks and everything happened. They presented this to him. He was literally a guy kind of at war. Now, as it was depicted in the film, started doing some speaking for them, got some kind of credibility for that because people really liked his speaking.
0: How do I feed that egocentric part of you so you can kind of lose yourself, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And he did, right? He yeah, did. yeah. Like Hitler, Hitler ended up giving himself over to this thing. Of course he had a narrative that was driving all that, that, that's, that allowed him to survive. He was right life. for that. Right. Yeah.
3: Has but, either one of you guys read, you ever read Mind income?
2: No, I've read one. chunks of, it. I, I never, I never sat down and was like, it's okay, a tough I
3: read. I actually Kampf, got to it. It's, you know? a, it's a tough read. He was not <laughs> a good writer,
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, no, not It's probably the same as an artist. Yeah.
3: So. But he, well, it was, it was, it was, I hate to say this, but it was a lot like listening to a Donald Trump uh, rally speech. It was very true to form. It's actually a really solid comparison, but it's just, it's kind of, it's just a rant, but it's, it's literally the, the, it's like, if he wrote down everything you just said about his, his actual psycho person, like his psycho basis for his personality, like Mm -hmm. put into, put into words. Yeah. So my conf was, it was the embodiment of, you can't, you can't read it and go, this guy's evil. You read it and go, I totally get it. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I
0: can I can see why he did what he did. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the survival mechanism. Oh, it's it's, so pure, it's pure survival, it. yeah. Like, yeah, th- there's a damage to a person like that. Right? Like, there's a part of us that's trying to, like, we're not yeah. good enough, so we need to right. bring forth this. Yeah, part well, of it's, ourselves it's, that I,
3: I would I would say it's not a part of it. It's it's a 100 pure that because. Anybody oh wow Dave just shared this photo. This is fascinating.
2: So that's a that's one of Adolf Hitler. That's one of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Yeah, A Hitler. Yeah.
3: Jeez, man, that's incredible.
2: Yeah. So he was an, an idealist, right? He he wanted to he he felt that art strongly, that art was sub perfection. It was supposed to erase the the less desirable things. And it was the opposite, right? Abstract expressionism was embracing all of the ugliness. I mean you got Salvador Dali, right, doing surrealism. You got all all this crazy stuff that's starting to (laughs) express. Right, but but it's because artists at the time, where you know the camera had taken over all the artists were left Mm -hmm. to try and represent the good and the evil spectrum of human experience. And he was basically trying to call everybody. He was he was like adamant. This is supposed to be. And if you actually look, the the first major public um, public works project that he did as Chancellor of Germany was a national art museum where they overhauled. He basically banned abstract and he overhauled the museum to be a national museum of Aryan perfection in terms of kind of, of just total perfection. Everything from the architecture to the, and then he took all the abstract art that they, that the Nazis, when they under marched through Europe, they took all the abstract art that they got and they started an art show and they toured that art show. It was the paintings, they hung them up and they hung them and they smashed them into small spaces, hung basically like writing and making fun of it. And, and trying to humiliate the art. And of course it drew popular art show and world thing, you know, and, I, and this just comes from my, my experience in teaching art and teaching university art. I would be willing to bet that if I was to get Genghis Khan at the table, I would find a kid, a creative person hanging out and come to find out he really liked to draw because these, there's something about um, creative people who are not able to express or not ever. It, it just becomes, I don't know. It has a corrupting force to it. You know, I've watched kids, I've watched kids that were some of the most talented students I ever have really, really go off, you know, go off in bad areas if they didn't receive the validation that they thought they had to have or something, you know, or they had parents who just couldn't understand them because they didn't want to just get a job. They didn't want to become a lawyer. They didn't want to become a doctor. You know what I mean? They just, they, they were something else that they wanted to do with themselves, but it didn't pay, you know? And that, and, and the whole devil character, the whole, the whole idea of evil and this whole idea of personification of Satan. I find it fascinating because I've always thought how much art has Satan inspired? It's amazing.
0: It's, you know what I, mean? yeah. just I remember characters. growing up in the eighties and, and the music thing, we, we touched on that a little bit before we were recording, but just, I mean, they made specials and documentaries on how bad yep. rock and roll was and they even made right. stuff up, you know, right. but I didn't realize till later, which, which kind of tore away the credibility of, I'm wearing my ACDC devil shirt, by the way. <laughs> Got like a devil over here and ACDC nice. cross. But I remember being told that in, in one of these documentaries, they said that ACDC stands for acid Christ devil's child, right?
1: Yes. And then later I on,
0: I saw a documentary where they were talking about like the brothers, Angus and Malcolm had a grandmother who was like thought up this kind of character. Like you guys should do like the, the private school boy thing. And she actually made that, that, that costume thing that Angus wears at the concerts. Like, she made that little, you know, schoolboys boys wear those shorts, you know, and the, uh, the stripes <laughs> and all that. Like, she made that. But <laughs> they were trying to think of a name for the band, and, and he looked across at her, and right in front of her was ACDC on the back of this old sewing machine, you know, mm-hmm. from, like, the yeah. 50s or something like that. ACDC, and they go, that's it. <laughs> because we're they're bringing on electric guitars, so Angus was a big guitar. Like he taught guitar and he loved yeah. guitar, but Ooh. it was fairly new at the time to start playing electric guitar and performing rock and roll. Uh, you know, in the late '60s, early '70s. Right. But yeah, when I heard Ooh. that, I'm like, oh, so they, they, the Christian, uh, you know, right, conservatives were lying to me.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, kiss kings of satan service
1: yeah
0: um but a lot of that music they talked about how and this reminded me of some of what seth said the uh, uh hell ain't a bad place to be you know and and even highway to hell like a lot of the lyrics yeah it was to piss off parents and Hitler getting teased or something right like i'll jump on that band <laughs> and be the I-
3: I would I would like to see the Rush Shaw Satan playlist on Spotify. <laughs> I would I would subscribe to that playlist in a heartbeat. the the, the Devil playlist on Spotify, all the music that our parents gave us this huge chorus on on Satan on on Satanism in music. You remember that, Dave? You remember Mister Dick did that?
0: No. You don't remember that? Oh man! I know music was, was a music, was a, big, music was a big. We did a whole thing, thing
3: dude. He brought us yeah. into how Satanism is in Christian music. We were we weren't apparently li- allowed to listen to Petra. Remember Petra? We couldn't I listen. And
2: I remember be, I remember being told that Petra's drum rhythms were uh, would, yeah. would, would 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 somehow like palpitate my heart and stuff like that in an unnatural <laughs> way or something wow. like.
3: Well, that was from that was from the uh, Bill Gothard. Yeah, 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 but but in that class though, we were we were he was giving us the inside scoop on how to find Satanism and everything, right? And all the music. I mean, he was showing us we were Motley Crue and Madonna and like all this stuff where where the Satan was finding its way through all our music, and and that was like this holy crap. I mean, I remember God, it's a up in high school, like throwing away all my secular music. I mean, I threw away some good stuff too, like really good stuff. You know what I mean? I had. Soundgarden unknown, which is probably my favorite record of in, in history. You know, I threw away Soundgarden, you know, Indigo Girls because they were gay, you know, and can't have gay people, you know, because you'll go to hell. Like I Van Halen, like a whole bunch of really <laughs> good music and I like I got to throw it away, Jesus, it's not okay. with It, awful. it was awful. Right.
2: And and thank not god not because hot. now you, you'll never find those albums ever again. They're gone.
3: I know. God, man, when, when I discovered when Spotify became a thing and I was like, oh my God, I can have them back. I mean, I listen to Super None all the time. Like, all the yeah. time. Like, it's my sure. skateboarding music. I love it's it. A, yeah, I ridiculous. bought some of those
0: albums back. My wife yeah. and I collect vinyl and we go to old record stores. And, yeah. And, oh, Judas Priest. <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> I, can, I can have so Judas
3: awesome. Priest again. I see you post them all the time, man. That's why I was saying we need a, a Rush Shaw Satan playlist, man.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. You, know, the, and, uh, the, when you When you hear about that music and how it started it's funny how back i was thinking about this a little bit today in preparation for this is is the the music from the the blues era right like oh those oh, this was a movie i forget the movie but these white kids driving or riding their bikes at, at night by this old blues club and they kind of ooh what's that music right and they hear the blues music coming out of this and they look in the window and they're all dancing in there and it's Oh, I'm pretty sure that's the devil.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: They're in there right. worshiping the devil, or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. but that music is birthed out of pain. You know?
3: Yeah, and yeah. I
0: think a lot of well, it's white man's.
3: House- it's, it's the white version of hip hop, right? Like you know, you talk about where hip hop came from and why it was born, yeah. and what it what, what it was for. Like that music was the was the disenfranchised white kid, it, that version. You know what I mean? It's what uh-huh. birthed that music for sure.
0: And I think a lot of it had to do with religious. Um, I think that's a lot of time with the Baker thing came about, you know, in the Mm eighties and all these big scandals were coming out and, you know, Hey,
3: Russ, by the way, Jay Baker is moving to Renton.
0: Yeah, I heard. I know.
3: Yeah. We're going to get him on the podcast there, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about it. Talk about a rebellion, punk rock guy. We got, you ever had him on your podcast?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Jay Baker was on your podcast. He was on punk theology. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. He's moving he's moving to Renton, man. Yeah, that's amazing. going be hanging what out what he does in, in Seattle. Yeah, but hey. yeah, I, I remember that uh, at the time. I remember reading the Playboy article when it came out in Playboy magazine, and mm. and being kind of like, "Wow, what were you doing looking at pay- Playboy, Russ?" Well, I was a drug dealer. The time, too, <laughs>
1: so there
0: was that. Like I totally fuck. I guess I'm just going to hell. Well, I guess that you're allowed big part to. Part of it then. too is in how hell is not really like. I think a lot of theologians or maybe good Christian people think that hell is going to scare a lot of folks. And when it scared you scared the shit up, out of me, my
3: whole childhood, man, I was it's, scared too. Scared death. to a
0: certain extent, but I think oh, man. just through the, some of the damage that I've experienced yeah. I, at somewhere down deep, I just decided, I, I didn't decide I concluded from what I was taught that I was dirty and bad and no matter how hard I tried. I couldn't be good enough mm. and so I was just mm. going to hell like that was just my destination. Right. So, and as so, a real place? Oh yeah, I, I yeah. just figured I guess you know if, if good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell I, I'm going with the bad people because I can't yeah. as, minor, as, as hard as I I think a lot of it had to do when I real peeled back the layers and like Seth was talking about and getting quiet in my own spirit and listening to some of the voices that came up, a lot of it had to do with how I grew up and being sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And and some of the language to that my abuser used in keeping me quiet tied in with a lot of that Christian narrative. So know?
3: I would like okay being that the topic of this this podcast is the devil, which we're we're kinda of dancing. You're gonna have to change the subject. You're gonna have to call it, you know, art, music, Hitler and the Devil, what they all have in common kind of thing.
2: This <laughs> actually just a- I'd listen to it. That sounds interesting. I'd listen to that in a heartbeat. That sounds really interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would like to know. Okay, so here's the thing. The Satan, okay, the devil, as a character, okay, Uh was called the father of lies. There you Mm -hmm. go. The father of lies was what we were taught as kids. This is the father. This is the one that tells you. Beelzebub. We would hear the sermons. The devil's trying to tell you that you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that and you're that. But Jesus says you're this and you're that and you're this and you're that. Well, and it's really interesting to me I, when I think about the archetype, because I, I see this, the devil, the Satan is the, is an archetype. Okay. Yeah. When I think about the Satan as an archetype, I think about people like Mark Driscoll. You know, I think about, I think about the characters that were standing on the stage going, you're going to hell. You are, who do you yeah. think you are? You slimy, dirty piece of shit. You need Jesus. Yeah. I think right. of the devil incarnate, like that is the Satan, right? Yeah. And and so I'm curious as someone who attended his church and stuff like that, and as coming from where you came from, it, it, it's it's not in any way, shape, or form surprising to me that someone that came from where you came from and the music that spoke to you and the experiences you had and the pain and the abuse and all that kind of stuff that you ended up sitting under Mark.
2: Right.
3: Right? Yeah. But like the de- the devil just changed clothes. Does that make sense?
0: Kind of. I think that Mark at the time for me represented someone who was kind of counterculture religiously. And he was getting
3: accused. Similar to the punk the music and I, everything else. It was yeah, like you said,
0: square words
1: from stage. Counter narrative,
0: right. They touched on him in you know, blue like jazz. You know, right. Donald Miller touches on this cussing pastor, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and, he was, and he was being criticized by the kind of the religious establishment at the time, which I right. thought was cool. And I was doing this podcast back then too. So keep in mind, I was still, I was cranking out ASI shows at the time. And who's this young, new hip pastor in Seattle, you know, you've been podcasting souls to Jesus.
2: I wanted to say something about that because, um, going back to the Elaine Pagel's book, she kind of, the book really talks about the personification of, of Satan as the shadow side of Christianity. And what you were describing in terms of Mark Driscoll is really kind of that you're going, there's this, Christianity has, especially the evangelical form, but the Catholic church as well, you know, has always struggled to grapple with the shadow side of itself, right?
3: Yeah.
2: And that personification of this, this actual character and being able to take anything and Russ, you were talking about the flesh and sex and the flesh being this kind of taking on this negative connotation as something is sexual desire, yeah. the shadow side, this thing that we banish that's feels like redemption. And on the book that we wrote was all about kind of this thing of welcoming back these parts of ourselves that have been pushed into the corner by our theologies, by our belief systems and, and saying, no, 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 that's actually, we have to be whole people and the shadow is a part of that. And that what happens when you do that and you begin to examine your shadow side and welcome and start to welcome those parts of yourself back, you inevitably get pushed out of Christianity. Your theology just gets messed up and it's, it's changes and you can't, you can't align yourself any longer with that super hyper dualistic idea of there's this character came Satan. I remember when I, when I started to deconstruct, I was struggling with the, um, the loss of all the relationships I had in the church, but also with the, my relationship with the Bible and my relationship with my whole kind of Christian self. I went in to see, uh, a friend of mine who's was a men's pastor and I went in to see him and I, I just kind of was like, Hey, I have to talk to you about this stuff. And I went to this massive church, the biggest church in Alaska. It's like 4,000 members. I'm sitting there just talking to him. And he basically, when I'm telling him how this experience that I was having of joy and healing and love and all this stuff was happening outside of the church, and he says, Well, the devil can do that. What? And he says, yep. He says, The devil, devil can give you a fake peace to deceive you.
3: We're fucked. That's what he's exactly what right I there. said to him.
2: That's exactly what I said to him. I go, what, what chance do we have? Like, if that's the case, if, if, if the devil has the same powers as, as, as the Holy Bible, you know, prescribes to the Holy spirit, I said, what the fuck, do, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I literally, I take the Bible and I'm like, what does this mean? If, if my life experience, if the devil can heal me and give me peace and joy and love and all the, all the fruits of the spirit are coming from the devil. Like what chance do we have? Yeah. it, it it was so counterintuitive. Right. It was so counterintuitive. That's where Seth,
0: for me, I think you, Seth, helped give me that mystic language. Because yes. I didn't really know what it was. Because I, you know, getting off a of dope and going through recovery and all that stuff. And I had this, I started to have this filter for what was real spirituality and what was the lies, right? right. Because I do believe that to a certain extent. Like, I don't, I mean, I get what that guy's saying. And just from his worldview, he's probably trying to be helpful, you know? Yeah, He's it's just a like job, people. yeah. I I was sort of that guy for a little while. Like, you know what? Yeah. And I met a dude, the guy who I, I think I touched on that in the last recording, um kind of a new agey dude, you know, and he meditated and he sat in the lotus position and he he looked like he was, you know... That's the world. that's the
3: Satan... They don't even tell you this, but that's the Satan position.
0: <laughs> that's right. But this. for him, for him, he really felt like... And I, I believe this was genuine in him, as fucked up as this guy was, using teenage guys like myself as fucking drug mules. But yeah. I think he really believed somewhere inside him that drugs or getting high was helping people escape. Yeah. And we were a part of that. Like, yeah. um, we're helping people be more free right it was Mm a friday night or you know they need to do a few lines of coke to get through the day like we we do (laughs) that the government won't let them and you know he had this weird kind of you know self helping idea yeah, no, but, but he had to right had we were, into it you know he had
2: to have that we were talking about and hitler had to, had the same thing yeah if you watch yeah. that film from max you can see because at one point when he's in the laundry room working you know post-world war one he's working and the nazis first meet him they first approach him and they start and the, the guy the nazi guy literally has these little marionette puppets and he sits down with him he says, "Can I tell you a story and he's evangelizing
1: right.
2: and he sits down and he has a, and he goes through a little puppet show explaining everything explaining why you're working in a laundry room right now and why we lost the war and why everything happened. And he had that narrative and he gave him that narrative. So of course Hitler said, yeah, we need, we got to get rid of the Jews. Look what they're doing to the world. We have to, we have to exterminate them. All of them.
3: So When I had Mormon missionaries over, they used uh, construction paper cutouts. Yeah. The the laminated construction paper cutouts to explain to me uh, how how I can get to, uh, I can't remember which layer of heaven. It was one of them. I can't get to the best ones clearly, but no. definitely. So, no. I was like, this is the most adorable thing. It was like a 19 year old girl who'd been homeless and living in her car with her. So her mom had been rescued by the Mormon church. And it was just, there was something so sweet about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember just going, mm-hmm. this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But so,
2: so I wanted to ask both of you, though. know, this is the thing. And this is where I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. No pun intended. Oh, boom. Um, <laughs> I have spoken with people who have had mystic, sometimes psychedelic, um, and sometimes, you know, psychedelic, not my way of psychedelics, but by way of just uh, religious experience, confrontations. And transcendental. Yeah, transcendental. Confrontations with Satan. You know, I got a good friend of mine lives in Alaska, um, and he flat out, yeah, dude. Oh no, I had a conference. I flat out him and I it say was, it was Satan. It was it, and it was the classic devil Satan
3: character,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they threw down, and he defeated him, and like, using the name of Jesus, you know. And now he's like you know. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for was. I think.
0: Yeah. It, I think for me, I think a lot yeah. of that stuff is is, is metaphorical, and what's working through them. But at the end of the day, I really don't know. Like, right. I guess that's, that's where I can land. And yeah. I think that's a good, healthy thing to say. Right. Um, I, I have friends. So I know a woman who owns uh, the Merchant Cafe in Pioneer Square. I don't know her well. Work, but I was telling her about the podcast and stuff like that. Is that the haunted place? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's ha- yeah. the most haunted building in Seattle. Yeah, nice. and I and even on the show on punk theology when Derek's sister, who's a who's a like a licensed therapist and stuff, mm. I said, Listen, this woman will let us spend the night in the bar, <laughs> right? The most haunted <laughs> place in Seattle. She's like, she even told me, she goes, Bring a skeptic. Like some yeah. some stuff will happen. It's just, you know, it's that kind of place. And yeah. and their reaction was interesting because all of them said, Oh, hell no. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Or or even uh Derek's sister was like my, I think my ego or my my fear would feed it, you know like and so that was kind of the consensus, like I don't really know what's out there, but if it if it's supernatural and evil and dark, I'd just rather stay away <laughs> <Right. laughs> that's, that's kind of funny, but <laughs> I've experienced some stuff that I can't really. I don't know. I mean, I guess some scientists I mean, could probably explain it, but I've, sure. I've experienced this stuff in my own life, but I don't have a real rational explanation for it. Was mm. it demons or the devil or, you know, I really don't know. To right. be honest with you, I would, I would like to.
2: Well, we can talk about world. demons. It's, it's harder to talk about Satan or like in the, yeah. the Muslims, Muslims talk about Iblis. You know, if you, if you, it's harder to talk about, these specific characters, you know, because Satan, the character in our in the Bible, or if you read the Quran, Iblis is all over the place, right? And you talk about these two characters that are are personified.
3: In the Bible, right. there's not much. There's not. There's not much mentioned.
2: There's not, but, but it's, there's
3: but it's uh, the
0: book of Job. Too. very like metaphorical, too. The, yeah. the swarm, right? The, the Beelzebub is the swarm. Like the devil right. But, swarm. but the
2: book of Job, the book of Job is a flat out, here's this dude, and he's like having a straight up conversation. He's going up to heaven and having a conversation.
3: Sure, sure, sure. Right? Well, but, there's, and, and there's an there's a t- entirely separate question. If we're going to get into Jewish or Christian theology, there's an entirely separate question as to whether there is a character named Lucifer. Right. This kind Lucifer, of, yes. A fallen yes. angel named Lucifer. Then there is yes. the Satan or the devil. That is totally, how those two became linked is quite fascinating, but like the fact that we have created a, we've constructed a narrative, you know, around this certain character, because because of course, we as evangelical white Christians never read the Bible as the text, the Jewish text that it was, right, right? and understood what they're actually talking about, that it's an entirely separate question. Sure. As to whether there is a Lucifer, whether, what, you know, it, it, at some level, is there, is there in the, if you're like me and you know, you're woo-woo like me and you believe that there are angels and all this stuff are real, yeah. is, there some, is there one called Lucifer? That's a different thing. When Jesus yeah. described an idea of the morning star, right, that he saw Lucifer cast from heaven, that's a totally different character.
2: Well, let's than, talk about that because that's, I know you have some opinions on that. You might as well share them with us, Seth, share them
3: with no. the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> No, No. you're not going to talk about it. No, I will. I'm joking. Uh, Well, well, the thing is, you know, if if you get into, there're very very few people. If if this audience is listening, I'm not sure what your audience is, Russ. Like it's turned into some weird morphed thing, you know. But (laughs) it used to be a Christian (laughs) audience, and now it's like a whatever. If if you are someone that's come from a Christian space, Uh you were sold a certain narrative, a certain cohesive narrative about a fallen angel, the morning star. Satan, the devil, this kind of thing, but if you read the Bible like what it is in a, a Jewish text written uh-huh. for Jews, to Jews, by Jews, right? If you read what it is, the Jews would never if you asked your average Orthodox Jew like, what about the devil they they would go, "What are you talking about there's no right. there's no thing the right. devil there is they would have understood if you showed them the text about the temptation, okay the greatest the greatest representation of the Satan right. in the New Testament is the text about Jesus' temptation in the desert, which, of course, mm-hmm. the Jew, a Jew would have understood this to be Jesus wrestling with his ego because Jesus was in the desert, like many holy men of his day, seeking enlightenment. Right. He would have wrestled with his ego. 40 days without eating will do that to you. You know right. what I mean? And your ego will start saying crazy shit, like, hey, turn the rock into a piece of bread.
0: You or know, the book of Genesis it? with the snake, right? Like right. Yeah, Gen-
3: that was, it, was a story. it was a story about human ego, the ego and the need to survive coming in. The story of Genesis is quite beautiful because it's actually about the the awakening of spirit, right? There's this really fascinating. It, we don't, we only read it in the garden, but we don't read about the part. And then when they're cast out of the garden, and there's this one great verse that says, "It was at this time that people began to that that humanity began to cry out to God, right?" It's yeah. about the awakening of humanity to something larger than their own need right. to survive. And a, and, a, and a true Jewish theologian would of course understand that this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the Satan, you know, a Satan, which is literally interpreted as in the Greek, it's literally interpreted as a blockage, right? It was a Satan was understood to be like a blockage in a river, right? Right? Yeah. right. We, we understand that we're talking about the human, the, the ego, the ego within that keeps us in a survival state, as opposed to letting us thrive in our spirits. Right. so that you know theologically white western christianity the megachurch christianity that so many of us that us that we came from is is an incredibly i mean and unspeakably shallow yeah. in our understanding of what these texts are saying about this thing now because shallow with, cells well shallow shallow cells but also it just it lends itself to a, a, a very cohesive narrative construct which is how the human ego functions right so okay. it produces the same but but David says something really important when he's talking about his friend who encountered mm-hmm. Satan and wrestled with Satan, had victory mm-hmm. by using Jesus' name. We have mm-hmm. to talk about there is a metaphysical experience that people will have. Like yeah. when he, w- w- if we went to his friend and said, listen, man, just so you know, that wasn't like a Satan character. That wasn't the devil. This wasn't the thing. You're experiencing an illusion of some sort. That wouldn't make any sense. The reality of how the Satan functions within us Right? Yeah. is a completely different thing. We're, we're, we're getting into the metaphysics and quantum physics of how reality is constructed within human consciousness. It's a really, 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 really big thing. In the theology, it's very clear. If you step back from human theology and you look at the huge body of work that's been done, not only in Christian theology, but in Jewish theology, Buddhist theology, Hindu theology, Muslim theology, I'll even give our Mormon brothers and sisters a little credence in Mormon theology. Right, We're talking about Like it's, it's, it's obvious we're trying to come up with a story to work with how the human ego has created such atrocities. Yeah. How, how is it our need to survive? We're trying to create a cohesive narrative in humanity, how our need to survive could do such horrible things. Yeah. You know, I, I remember one of the very famous quote that came out of the Rwandese genocide, right? The, 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 uh, I can't remember his Alistair, I think was his name, the Canadian general that was the head of the UN mission in, in Rwanda. He says, there are no demons. He said, there are no demons left in hell. They're all in Rwanda. Right. And it became this very famous quote, but Christians were like, yep, <laughs> they've all gone to Rwanda because we're trying to come up with somehow, how do we, how do we fit this type of evil into yeah. a story? How, do, we fit in in how do I
0: separate myself from it? Because I don't want to yeah. feel like... Well, I got... That's
3: the ultimate goal of story is yeah. to separate yourself from it. If I can read it into a story, I can read it out of myself, right? I, I'm not connected to this. It's but a, a good mess.
0: story pulls that shit out of you, right? Like a good story pulls... Well, a good story calls to that. within Yeah. Mind, right? Or it even calls. a good song, like speaking of, of devil music, the in, in excess... Dog no, needs uh, to go out! Sorry. The devil inside, <laughs> right? Right. right. No. Well, it mean, I mean, was a huge. I was like their big hit. Right.
3: Well, the, the song. I mean, what is what are, what are is, modern the modern day songwriters that play the role of the poet? Right. That they that the poet yeah, used right. to, and that the artists used to play. Right. But we're talking about ultimately we're talking about how the ego is trying to create a cohesive narrative to explain itself to explain mm-hmm. its own existence. You
0: know? When it comes to sexuality, I think that a lot of people people that listen to this show, people that that are on my pilgrimage. When you, I think part of this, right, trying to heal from sexually compulsive behavior is going to require a kind of deconstruction. And a lot of people fight that. A lot of people are having a hard time with even listening to us right now, right? Um, But I think that we all go through this point where we have to let go of that right? Like there, there's a certain threshold. I heard a counselor who explained it this way. It's sort of like a jet that's about to hit, uh, break the sound barrier. Like it feels like it's breaking apart.
3: Mm-hmm. And then boom, it hits the
0: sound barrier and it's just smooth. Everything is just smooth as, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you think about uh, like that guy meeting, your friend meeting the pastor in the, the pastor's office. It was you. It was David yeah. meeting yeah. The, the big guy pastor in the pastor's office. Like that's one of those moments where you're confronted with that thing and you're gonna cross yeah. a line, right? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I think for me another one theologically was was penal substitutionary atonement and how that story really kind of helps people live in the dark. Like if I can tell you that you need to check this box and that you know Jesus died for your sins and you have to say this magic prayer and then once that happens then then yeah you, you cross the threshold to yeah. not being satan or demonized or whatever right yeah. a puppet of the devil um for me like that was a big one too that right. when i was at my worst you know call it fuck you god and all that <laughs> right just selling meth or trying to sell meth to middle school kids i mean that's some pretty horrible shit but I did well, it thinking I'm just, I'm just hell. I'm just garbage. I'm just to the creator of the universe. I don't matter. I didn't matter to anybody. Um, and and I think that some of that idea around penal substitutionary atonement, like when Jesus died on the cross, it must not have been for me because it's not working. Right. But I do believe the creator of the universe loved me so much. It was kind of like, Oh, like you're screaming and cursing me. I'm just gonna put you over here for a while. We'll <laughs> just put you over here for a while. But I still love you. You're still in my hand, and I, I still care about you. Um, I
1: don't know,
3: that's kind of the narrative that I... well, that, well that's how they, that's how spirit starts to show itself through these spaces, right? The light. Yeah. You know, this I love the book of John. Like I love how you have this giant thing also in the book of John, John chapter one. This book shows up in the middle of it all and says, In the beginning is the word. Yeah. You know, and the light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend it. There's this little mystical thing that comes out through it all. Because in the end, in the spirit will show itself through. Every single act of darkness in the history of this world has, show, has allowed for the light to shine through. I, I, gonna, if yeah. I, cite, I can cite Rumi for a second when he says, you know, the wound is where the light shines through. You know, yeah. this is the nature of it all. This is why I'm a Jedi, not a Christian. Why well, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I, I see myself as a Christian. But the Jedi, the, the understanding is it was always about this unbelievably beautiful balance between light and dark. We're not trying to Mm -hmm. eradicate the darkness. We're trying to come into a balance with it in a relationship that is loving.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh,
3: Interesting. I just, ShutUpdevil.org.
2: I just texted you. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever heard of a few years ago. There was an app that came out called shut up devil. devil. I remember that. I remember that. It was so awesome.
3: It Shut was up, so great. Man. It
2: was one of the more entertaining kind of pieces that came that came out Shut of up devil. It. It's and an I app. Downloaded it. uh, yeah, I downloaded it and the I Power
3: and I, to silence Satan. Get it on iPhone or Android. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. And if you watch the video, <laughs> everyone that's listening to this, go to shutupdevil.org so you can follow Shut up along devil
2: with us. Dot org. and it was fantastic because like you get watch the video and the guy's explaining how the whole thing just it was that thing of um, they ha- you have to have answers to everything. That was my friend, you know, and I, my pastor friend, you know, he's, he's got to have an answer. You got to have an answer. That we have to have answers, and so, and then the only answer you can come up with is it's the devil because it, the devil did it. You know, right? All this peace, but I'm not having it inside my Christian theology, and oh, well then the devil had to do it because and and <laughs> my, mom, my my mother lived her entire life in that framework, right? Yeah, and
3: yeah, it, and so, the whole like, life. If we and said this to her right now, she'd be like. That's just yeah. lovely. How- That's so good. That's so great.
2: Right, Thank and 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 the, and the the idea is is ancient. It's it's a very primitive and ancient kind of understanding of uh, and people can go if they if they decide or if they're in a place where they're going to live their life at that level of consciousness, they'll do it for they can do it for decades. They can do it for the entire life, and I know lots and lots of people, in, including quite a few of my family members. You know, we have a cousin who's living a happy, a relatively happy, uh, successful life and and who lives in that theology and lives in that understanding and is going to operate in that way. And so it's like, hey, I have no judgment from those people. But ironically, that pastor, that pastor who, who said that to me, like he ended up deconstructing, he ended up leaving the church and he ended up, now he's, he, you know what he is? He, he called me like six months ago. I got a call for, and I hadn't talked to him in years. And because I had, you know, him and I had had conversations over, over at post that crazy conversation we had conversations about spirit, about, about peace and joy and love and all these wonderful things that kind of come through that living. And it ended up transforming his life. And now he, he is a, what do they call it, a pastor who basically ministers to people that are dying in a terminal illness? What do oh, they called? Oh, God. Like, What's the term? Convalescent that? pastor or something? Yes. Like
3: that? No, no, not, com- not convalescent. No, it might like... be that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, ho- that's, uh, that's
2: what he, and he, le- he yeah. left. He doesn't teach in church anymore. He says he doesn't even go to church anymore. He says, because I have found life elsewhere. I found this, that, and he goes, this is, this is what I was called to do. And, yeah. to, and, now, and he said that in that space, he's becoming less and less and less and less religious. Because he's encountering all these people, and he's literally helping guide them to the end of their lives. And in peace and joy and love. And he goes, and like theology, judgment, like it doesn't work. The devil doesn't work in that frame space. The narrative breaks down. And it doesn't work for him anymore. And it was, it was really beautiful. We had him talking for like three hours. We just sat and talked on the phone and just having this wonderful, beautiful conversation. And I was just like, oh, what an awesome thing to see somebody just come around through love. You know, it was
1: awesome. Yeah, it yeah,
0: awesome. And I think hey, That's us us it's a good place to land on. the plane. I tell you what, yeah, yeah.
2: I gotta go, but I'll I'll leave you guys. You guys finish up or whatever you gotta do. I, no, I gotta, we can so finish
3: it right here. That was a wonderful, play. David. You always have a way of wrapping. Like a true podcaster, you have a way of wrapping things <laughs> up. I'm
2: learning, man. Like I've listened to you know I've listened to Russ's podcast. I've listened to a bunch of other podcasts, and I'm listening to the way that people talk <laughs> and tell and talk stories. It's a fun thing. Man.
1: Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth. And
0: my pilgrimage. If you go to asi 247org you can. There's links to my pilgrimage. There's links to the podcast that those guys are doing. Um, I encourage you to check out the Facebook group. If you do Facebook and social media, would love to have you uh, on board with uh, with what's going on over there. I'm active on my pilgrimage more than my own <laughs> heart, mind, love, sex, and affection. Which is a Facebook group that I've started. Mostly it's content that I've used on the show at reposting some of the things I've talked about, but I encourage you to check out my pilgrimage, uh, ASI247.org. I wanted to leave you with a song by a guy who I was told was the, the most satanic music you could listen to. Focus on the family, James Dobson, and you know, everybody's warning kids not to listen to Ozzy. And uh, this song I mean here's a guy who's also struggled with sexual addiction been through the ringer when it comes to substance abuse fighting demons and uh I love this song I wanted to sign off with this thanks for listening till next time
2: Attitudes of Sexual Integrity is a listener supported podcast. Do you like what you hear? Here. Please leave a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or wherever you may be hearing this podcast. The podcast Attitudes of Sexual Integrity is owned by Digital Audio Project LLC who is responsible for its contents.
1: The podcast and its content is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to replace or substitute for any professional physiological, medical, legal or other advice. In addition, Russ makes no representations or warranties within or through the podcast or website. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional physiological or medical advice, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. Like the jams we play here on the podcast? Go to ASI.org and follow the Kicking
0: playlist, or search ASI Podcast Bumps on Spotify. Follow the bands if you like the music and get notifications for concert
2: dates, merch, vinyl, and stuff. Okay bye now.